Super Talk Mississippi media production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Friday afternoon, almost to the weekend. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. The show is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We've got a leadoff hitter today. Bruce Marshall joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, from Las Vegas. He's at the South Point. Going to be on uh, VEASAN on the radio a little bit later this afternoon with Brent Musburger. Uh, But kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon to lead things off. Bruce, what's up? Hey, man, it's a good week, even though there's not a lot of marquee games. Uh, I still like this weekend. I think there's some spots on the card, and even a couple of these SEC games uh, intrigue a bit, too. So, yeah, I, I'm uh, kind of excited about this weekend. Let, let's start with the game tonight. It's a little intriguing when you've got uh, Mike Leach and Washington State against Dana Holgerson and Houston. The total in this game is 74. Washington State knocking on the door of being a double-digit favorite. What do you do with this game on a Friday night? You know, it's tough. I, th- I think this finds them played it a bit much. Washington State hasn't played anybody yet, I and mean, New Mexico State and Northern Colorado. So this will be a step up, although we know the Cougars can compete. I mean, they've uh, they won the bowl game against Iowa State last year. They beat uh, Stanford. They beat Oregon. Um, so we know that where the program is at. Now, Gordon, the quarterback, the holdover, a lot of people thought it would be the Eastern Washington transfer, Gate Chibrut, uh, who would fall in Gardner Minshew's footsteps as the next uh, transfer quarterback to Mike Leach, but it's it's been Gordon instead, and he's put up huge numbers, but again, against uh, New Mexico State and Northern Colorado. Uh, I, I still think Dana's going to have uh, Houston on the right uh, track. They haven't really gotten on court yet. I think Derek King's going to put up big numbers before the year is over, but I think Houston uh, is just a little bit behind Washington State right now, and I think uh, the, the Pullman version of the Cougars goes down there and wins. By the way, there's some history between these two. It's the first game ever played on an AstroTurf field back in the old Astrodome, 1966, and the Houston side won that one 21-7. But it's going to be a lot higher scoring tonight. In fact, we and had a 34 you... Wash State. You know, that 10 is a tough number, uh, maybe over a little bit. But uh, I think, if, if nothing else, it's a fun game to watch tonight between these two. Shoot them upside. Could, could be a lot of uh, offense. If you've been to Houston lately and you've driven by NRG Stadium where that game's going to be played, you can still see the old Astrodome. And it really looks like, Bruce, if you could pick the old Astrodome up, 
which was dubbed at one point the eighth wonder of the world. If you could pick it up with a crane, you could just set about three of them inside NRG Stadium. Yeah, it looks so small next to NRG, I know. I mean, that's the sign of the times there. But, yeah, I'm still sitting there. but yeah that was, you know, the funny thing, the very first Super Bowl program, the only Super Bowl I've been to, the program Monsanto, which made AstroTurf, took out a big two-page ad, and they talked about that Houston-Washington State game. So that's one reason I remember it in 66. But, yeah, there is some history between these two sites. Very cool. Let's go to Starkville. Big 12 and the SEC, Kansas State off to a 2-0 and start under a first-year head coach, Mississippi State's Joe Moorhead in his second year. Mississippi State, seven-point favorite in this game. They really had no trouble with Kansas State a year ago. Will this year be any different? I think it might. Um, I, I, you know, Mississippi State is off quick, and, and Moorhead's got to be pretty happy, although uh, the Raging Cajuns and even Southern Miss last week moved the ball pretty well. Southern Miss hurt itself with some turnovers. So, I, you know, the defense has got to be down a couple of notches after losing all those guys to the NFL. And I think we've seen that. Now, Tommy Stevens will be okay. It looks like to go tomorrow. Uh, but the, the offense seems to be in pretty good hands. But I wonder about Kansas State here, maybe making an upgrade. Chris Kleeman, the coach, comes in from North Dakota State. Well, all he's been doing is winning FCS championships. Now, he he uh, succeeded a legend there, Craig Bowl, who moved to Wyoming, and Clement came in and kept winning. Now he's succeeding another legend here uh, at K-State with Bill Snyder. But, you know, K-State kind of flattened out a bit the last couple of years, uh, 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 Rich. And uh, you wonder if what Clement's doing, he's opened up the offense a little bit more. Now, he was running a, a version of the old Bowl offense at, at North Dakota State, kind of conservative, but he's opened it up with Thompson, the quarterback. And uh, they have been extremely impressive the first two. We're going to take a lead here at Kansas State. And we could be wrong, and I think they're a better team than they were last year. Uh, 31-26, we're going to call the upset. That's a gold shoot place. And uh, we'll see. We might be wrong on Kansas State, but we're trying to catch them uh, early in the uh, upswing here on the, on the Wildcats. So Kansas State pulling the upset in Starkville, according to the gold sheet. You heard Bruce say that's a key release tomorrow. 31-26, the predicted final in uh, in that game. You got two SEC games tomorrow. One of them is in Columbia, the two thirty game on CBS. South Carolina record-setting offensive performance last week, uh, but that was on the heels of losing in the opener with Jake Bentley as the quarterback to North Carolina. Don't really know how much we know about South Carolina right now. We know plenty about Alabama, but that is a big number on that game. Bama, what twenty-five and a half, maybe twenty-six, depending on where you look at it. Yeah, it is, Rich. Uh, you know, when we were down in Hoover in July, uh, if you remember, uh, Nick Saban, if there was the one game he talked about more when he was up there, and it wasn't just a normal Saban filibuster. I mean, he was really talking about this game, and you got the you got the sense that he was still upset about losing here nine years ago to Spurrier. That's really stuck in his craw. And uh, <laughs> a couple things. It's not Spurrier this time. It's Will Muschamp. And ex-Saban aides like Will Muschamp have never beaten Saban. So, uh, there's that going for Alabama here. Now he's got to win this game by 26 to get over the number. I think he might be able to do it. Listen, it's a nice story with Helinski, the quarterback for South Carolina. I hope it has a happy ending. Now, this chapter might not be too good. I think Saban, looking at Clemson and the polls, is probably going to keep winning games, and he's going to want to keep pace. And I don't think he takes his foot off the gas pedal here, and something tells me uh, Will Muschamp's going to be on the wrong end of a real beat down here. This is another goal to release. Don't usually lay this big a price on a key release, but we're doing it here. 45-10, Bama, uh, we're taking the Crimson Tide and rolling with them tomorrow. So Alabama is a 25-and-a-half point favorite, predicted to be a 35-point winner. Last year we saw the uh, the streak finally come to an end. Kentucky had not beaten Florida 
since 1983. They got an 11-point win last year. This year, in Lexington, Florida is an 8.5-point favorite over Kentucky. Both of these teams off to a 2-0 start, but obviously a, uh, a new quarterback for Kentucky after Terry Wilson injured and out for the year. Yeah, and you know, yeah, you're right. The series history. I mean, before last year, the last time Kentucky beat Florida was with Jerry Claiborne beating Galen Hall. So that's uh, that's how long that streak had gone over 30 years. So, uh, yeah, a good win, great win for Kentucky last year. Really announced the Wildcats' arrival again. Back to Hoover. When we were there in July, uh, Sawyer Smith had just transferred into Kentucky from Troy. Just completed the paperwork as the grad transfer, the quarterback. And I can remember asking Mark Stoops about Smith. And he looked like the cat that ate the canary. Like, yeah, we're kind of excited about this kid. He can really throw the football. He looked great in the bowl game for Troy against Buffalo last year. And he came off the bench after Wilson got hurt, and he threw a couple touchdown passes last week. Uh, I think he gives Kentucky an aerial dimension they really haven't had in a decade or so since Andre Woodson is there, if he's as good as he is. Look, now, uh, the, the, the problem here, though, he's going against a Florida defense that is real. Ask Miami about it. Uh, not as much UT Martin last week, but no surprise that was a shutout. Todd Grantham's defense really brings pressure from the edges here, and they're going to come after Sawyer Smith, and I wonder if that's going to turn this thing upside down. I'm not that comfy with uh, with, with Frank's quarterback. I think Dan Mullen can get him serviceable, uh, but it's going to be the defense that carries the day here for Florida, I think. Uh, updated score forecast, 31-20 Florida in the gold seat. I don't feel near as good about this one as I do about the Alabama pick. Um, but we'll go back to the extended series trends here, which, like you mentioned, have been all Gators for most of the last 30-plus years. Bruce Marshall on your radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Bruce A. Marshall. Check out his work at goldsheet.com. You can read some great stories at the Gold Sheet as well. Bruce, an interesting NFL card this week. We've only got about a minute left. Uh, you've got the the Patriots as a 19 point favorite over the Dolphins on the road. You got the um, uh, goodness Baltimore is a huge favorite this week as well. Those are big big numbers in the NFL. Do you love either of those games, or is there a game in the NFL that you are in love with this weekend? Not those two, because sometimes although you make case for the Patriots, sure they've actually lost five of their last six in Miami. Usually teams they're not going to lose this one, but usually teams offer just. Really bad or really good efforts the first week. They usually flatten out the second week. So I'm going to steer away from those. It is a total play worth noting here. Denver and Chicago, neither team can score. Both have good defenses. Vic Banjo's facing his old team and Trubisky. Uh, Denver under 10 straight. Chicago under 8 straight since last year. They got this total sitting about 40 and a half. I think that's too high. All right. So we'll take a look at the under on the Bears and the Broncos. One more time, Bruce. Remind people where they can get all of your info. Thanks, uh, Rich. Check us out online, goldsheet.com. You mentioned the story this week. We do a non-conference uh, schedule comparison for all the teams in the country by conference. It's a pretty interesting read up there at goldsheet.com. My picks there are also vegasinsider.donbest.com. And, oh, by the way, Goldsheet picks 19-3 and in the NFL since preseason. We're off to a blazing start in the pros. Good start so far this year. Bruce, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks, Rich. Take care. That is Bruce Marshall, Bruce A. Marshall on Twitter from the Gold Sheet. Three, four years we've been visiting with Bruce on Fridays now and uh, always enjoy those conversations. Moved him up a little bit in the show, hitting leadoff for us today. We're glad to have you along for the ride at Sports Talk Mississippi on a Friday rolling into the weekend. We'll dive into Ole Miss, we'll dive into Mississippi State, into Southern Miss when we come back. Plus a whole lot more to get to this afternoon with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. 
Friday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey rolling into the weekend. We moved Bruce Marshall up a little bit today. He joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Let's start with a question from Evan in Guntown. He says, will Kansas State surprise people tomorrow? How good is Mississippi State Really, I, you know, I'm not convinced that Kansas State is going to surprise people tomorrow. But we've talked to two handicappers in the last two days who have both picked Kansas State to win the game outright. Hey, Dad, I was a little surprised by Lee making that pick yesterday, and then Bruce kind of doubled down on it today. You're talking about one guy in South Florida, one guy in Las Vegas, and that's what they do for a living. So. Kind of an interesting perspective that those guys bring to the conversation. Yeah, and uh, it, it's I'm I'm as surprised as you are because you know most of the analytics I have seen have Mississippi State uh, winning this game. Now they have Kansas State playing a lot better than they played a season ago, and I think that's going to be the case as well because I think State is not as good defensively, and Kansas State will be able to run the football and have some success. But from an offensive standpoint, State is still very very good, and Kansas State. Their defensive line, I don't think, is up to the challenge of Mississippi State's offense. And now you're going to add the balance that that the passing game has provided. I think State's going to score a lot of points in this game. I, I just think it, like it'll be a higher scoring game than it was a year ago. But I still think State's going to come out on top. The matchup predictor from ESPN's Football Power Index gives Mississippi State a 74.3 percent chance to win the game. For what that's worth, Kansas State they give a 25.7 percent chance to uh, win it. Skyler Thompson for Kansas State has been good. He's been efficient so far this year, 26 of 35. So is Tommy Stevens, though, 29 of 40. Uh, the passing yards are comparable, but you got to remember Tommy Stevens has only played in one and a half games so far. He does have four touchdown passes. Uh, Gilbert, the leading rusher for Kansas State, has 218 yards and three touchdowns on the year. Through two games, Kylan Hill, 41 carries, 320 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Leading receiver for Mississippi State so far, Osiris Mitchell. Eight catches, 134 yards, and two TDs. Do you think he's been the best receiver so far for Mississippi State? Yeah, without question. Uh, he's been the most consistent guy. You know, should have had added another uh, touchdown on uh, last Saturday. Just when you talk about the sun getting in your eyes, that was an all-timer for him. But he's, he's he looks like he's taken... You know, it's obviously very early, but he took a big leap from freshman to sophomore. He looks like he's in the stages of taking another leap sophomore to junior and becoming what would be MSU's, in my opinion, first legitimate SEC receiver since Fred Ross left campus in 2016. I think Lee Sterling said yesterday that this wasn't necessarily a game that he was playing, but he gave us a final score on it, and he said if he was going to play it, then he would split his money on the spread and the money line. Uh, you get pretty good value there on the money line at plus 240 and uh, plus 7 on the spread. So if that's the way you were going, maybe that's something worth uh, worth looking at. Um, good to have you uh, with us this afternoon. You can, as I said, text the show at 601-879-4395. Um, what's up? Hey, Dad, we missed you yesterday. Everything good? Made it back to Starkville just fine? Yeah. Yeah, had a good day off. Got together with some friends uh, and, and had a nice evening, and, and now I'm back at work. And I'm excited to go. be back. 
And rolling into a, uh, a weekend with an early start tomorrow for the 11 o'clock kickoff, I would think a pretty decent TV audience, as that will be the uh, the game coming right out of college game day on uh, on ESPN, and just not an overall great slate of games tomorrow. No. No, it's not. You know, like, I think I, I'm, I got the eleven o'clock game, so I should be able to get home and watch some college football. Oh, what am I looking forward to tomorrow? I mean, honestly, I think that the only game I'm really I, I'm looking forward to is a stretch. But I want to see Kentucky Florida because State plays Kentucky next week, so I can go ahead and start watching that and, and getting an idea of what the Wildcats are. But there's nothing. I mean, there, there, I think somebody brought it up earlier this week. I forget who we talked to, but there's no games between ranked teams, right? That's an that's right. an unbelievable in, in this day and age of college football. There's not one game. And now, granted, we sort of, you know, the Stanford sliding out of the poll causes that. That would have been Central Florida Stanford this week. But even then, it's only one. So, if I counted yeah. correctly, the SEC fourteen teams in the SEC, five of which play FCS opponents this weekend. It's like week thirteen early. But you you got to I agree with what both of you are saying. You have to live with part of that though, right? Because people crush the SEC for having the FCS game late. Oh, you're, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's, it's just, just, you know, it's just where it's just an odd coincidence, but we have to suffer through it. But well, football is good. better than no football. So, I mean, Iowa State and Iowa is, you know, the pictures from that will be uh, will be pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, you got Penn State, Pittsburgh, just doesn't do a whole lot for you. Texas uh, Tech, Arizona will be interesting, I think. And the game tonight between UNC and Wake will be kind of interesting. I don't know about necessarily good. And then State Kansas State's an interesting one. There's some okay ones. It's not great. In, hey, in reality, State Kansas State's like maybe the fourth or fifth best game of the weekend, which is I incredible. Might put it higher than that. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, I mean, I'm just saying it's it's up there. It's it's yeah. definitely the best non-conference game in the conference in the SEC. And honestly, it's more interesting than Alabama South Carolina is going to be. Yes. Uh, I, I certainly agree with that. I was just going to say a second ago, looking to that next-to-last weekend of the regular season that has traditionally been so bad for SEC teams, you do have some bad games. You've got Kentucky and UT Martin. This is the November 23rd slate, so the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Kentucky, UT Martin, Vanderbilt, East Tennessee State, Alabama, Western Carolina, Auburn, Samford, uh, and Mississippi State against Abilene Christian. But you do have some SEC games that weekend, and in the past it's only been like one or two. You've Last got Georgia, Texas A&M. Arkansas. Yes, you got Georgia, Texas A&M, which could be really, really big. Missouri, Tennessee, uh, probably, well, we'll see. Arkansas, LSU, and I guess that's it. So Ole Miss, bye. That's a big weekend for your boy. <laughs> you're, you're excited about that? Yeah, you'll go to Memphis and cover basketball that day. No, that's the day before the LSU game. I've had this dispute on our podcast. I believe. No, you're wrong. What? It's November 23rd when Ole Miss and Memphis play at FedEx Forum in basketball. We'll see about oh. that. Okay. Feel the you burn, Rippy. You thought you had a day off, but you don't. I'm pretty sure Colin and I were both arguing wrong dates then. Well, good. You were both wrong. Maybe that guy yesterday was on to something. No kidding. I wonder if he listened today. Did you give him a shout-out? Uh, not quite. Hey, uh, Rippy got eviscerated by a guy on uh, the text line yesterday for um, the uh, the least good Ole Miss-centric pot- podcast. Did He threw out the uh, 
guy who does not work or know anything about journalism threw out the competent journalist card. Usually those people are like guy who like consumes content and then constantly complains about how bad it is. Usually is very weird in person, has never really accomplished much in life. Uh, just a social trend uh, you might want to catch on to. <laughs> anyway, I am looking this up. Yep, November 23rd. You just wanted to argue with me about it? No. I didn't trust you. wanted to be sad. He thought he had a day off. Yeah, I guess that's true. Ah, beautiful. Um, sorry. Sorry. I mean, I guess you could still take the day off if you really wanted to. I suppose. Did you guys watch uh, any of the NFL game last night? Tampa Bay at Carolina. I ended up giving you another losing pick on the Pearl River Resort pick of the day and did it with trepidation. I mean, even as we talked about it, I said, yeah, we'll take Carolina minus the seven. Didn't really love it. Carolina probably should have won the game at the end. Cam Newton was awful. Jameis Winston wasn't a whole lot better, but the quarterback play in that game last night was just abysmal. Yeah, and... I don't think you can blame it on health anymore. Daryl Williams, the Panthers' left tackle, is Ooh. might be the worst offensive lineman I've ever seen. Because they, once people on Twitter started saying, watch Daryl Williams, he's awful, I started focusing on him. That poor guy has no business playing left tackle in the NFL. I don't care that he was all pro a few years ago via fan vote. Like The guy's terrible. But I don't know if you can blame Cam Newton's struggles on his shoulder anymore because I don't know if you noticed last night, there were a couple throws that he made like opposite hash across the field, 45 yards on a frozen rope type throws. He just is a shell of himself. Borky, it it I almost think it's looks his like leg. he doesn't care. I think it's his leg. Might be. Borky, I'm going to get you can, some film of me so you can have a different opinion on the worst offensive lineman you ever saw. <laughs> just to me, you know Cam Newton's not healthy when he becomes 100% a pocket passer. But, like, Nor yeah. Turner's not dumb. But they can't run him, and I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, I was going to say, can you imagine a scenario three years ago where fourth and one from inside the two with the game in the, on the line and Cam Newton doesn't have the football in his hands? I mean, more than likely he's running it, but he at least is, you expect him to try and make a play. He ran a gadget play there with Christian McCaffrey, and he didn't get in the end zone. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us right now. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. And uh, you can always get that if you uh, if you miss it live or you're outside those areas. You can get it in podcast form or listen to it online at supertalk.fm. What are you doing this weekend, Luke? Well, guys, called uh, Jones game last night. Jones College got a Laurel and Petal tonight on Super Talk Laurel. And it is the hottest September 13th that I have ever been a part of. Do you know that? Like, like you have data to back it up or is this just like kind of a gut feeling? It is 100 degrees in, in Laurel, Mississippi right now. It is extremely too hot. That, uh, that That's enough data for me. I, uh, good grief, it is hot, and it's going to be hot all weekend long. And my guess is it's going to be hot tomorrow in Troy, Alabama, when uh, when Southern Miss and Troy hook up. We were talking with uh, with Lee Sterling yesterday from, uh, from Paramount Sports. And that's one of the games that I asked him about, and it's a, a relatively low point spread in the game. 
Uh, he liked Southern Miss in the game. Just thought that maybe there was a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more from Southern Miss than he thought uh, you might get from Troy. And Troy's not been terribly good as a home at home as an underdog in in recent years. What's your gut on this game as you as you look at the matchup? It's kind of wide open. Southern Miss has never played at Troy. They played, uh, I think, nine times since 1935. Eagles have never played there. Uh, it's an even if you you don't know what you're getting out of Troy. Uh, this this is for the a vote for the best mascot in America. Troy played the Campbell Fighting Camels in Week One. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were off last week, and so you know you you do look into going into a game. Troy has had two weeks to prepare for the Eagles. Uh, so you don't know what you're going to get because they, they weren't playing much uh, week one. The Southern Miss will have to, to stop the run, which they really you know, had a, a, a really hard time doing against Mississippi State last week. B.J. Smith uh, rushed for about 1,200 yards last year. He rushed for 100 yards uh, in week one. They've got another back that rushed for like 90. Uh, they rushed for 250 as a team in, in week one. Uh, my gut tells me um, that Southern Miss will respond the right way. But let's be honest, apart from, uh, you know, the Kentucky win in 2016, uh, this this Southern Miss uh, program under Jay Hobson really hadn't pulled off very many road wins. And the, the talk from Troy, it's been really interesting. We talked uh, to, to their radio crew on Monday on the Eagle Hour. Troy feels they're better in Southern Miss. The Sun Belt feels they're better than Conference USA. And uh, so the Eagles uh, this weekend, I feel, have, have a lot to prove uh, within the conference and, and, you know, to themselves. If you don't win this, this game this weekend, um, an eight-win season is going to be really hard to come by. I think they will respond in the right way, and I feel like uh, the defense will play a whole lot better than last week. So Barry McKnight, the radio voice of Troy and one of the nicest people on the planet, uh, giving you a little bulletin board material? He was... He was being really honest. He was about his. It wasn't a, a cocky confidence. It was a very gentle, Mister Rogers confidence. I mean, if that makes sense. I mean, that's was, a good way to describe Barry. Guy. He was. That's what he was. We got off the air, and I said, "Bob, that guy, extremely nice, and one of the greatest radio voices you know in the world." <laughs> um, so yeah, he was just being straight up with us. Um, nothing to flaunt, but but a Troy, you know, thirty-one wins in the last three years, and. Chip Lindsey comes in, and Chip Lindsey, very familiar with Southern Miss. It's going to be, this is a game, again, for Jay Hobson. Um, you know, can can they uh, win against the road? You've got to be able to win these regional games against Sunbelt opponents um, for your program, but also, you know, you're dealing with recruiting now. You mentioned the Sunbelt a couple of times, and obviously this is a Conference USA Sunbelt matchup. We, we talked a little bit yesterday about conference affiliation and the difficulties that go with you know the the financial situation for really almost all the teams in in any conference that falls below the American and and they're American athletic conference teams that that have got financial issues as well with the Sunbelt Conference I, I know I know Southern Miss is a charter member of Conference USA but from a travel standpoint, a budget standpoint, would the Sun Belt make any more sense for Southern Miss than Conference USA does? Uh, there's been a lot of chatter within uh, Southern Miss fan base about you know it's a, it makes a lot more sense. And when you look at the way the Sun Belt's performed in the last few years, uh, especially you know with with Liberty going over there, Liberty actually wanted to join Conference USA, and you know some political reasons kept them out. Uh, I, I feel like that the top half of 
the Sun Belt could take the top half of Conference USA. What Conference USA has going for it, um, because it's more spread out, you get in some ways better media markets. Um, it, it's a better media package. ESPN Plus this year, uh, and, and one thing that I really hadn't talked about, you guys may be aware of it, big deal that the NFL Network's going to broadcast a, 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 an afternoon Saturday game every single week this year for Conference USA. That's huge. The yeah. Conference USA does have the, the exposure and the better media, but you feel like just X's and O's, the Sun Belt may be a little better than Conference USA. Has there been any discussion anywhere, Luke, that you've heard of some sort uh, of a merger between Conference USA and the Sun Belt? I mean, it's just kind of an idea that we were kicking around yesterday and one that I've talked with with, with some people in the past. To, to kind of pave the way for the Super Conference idea um, and, and then playing it almost in a, like a geographical pod system to make it a little more palatable for everybody from a, a travel budget standpoint. Is that something that would make any sense? Yeah, there's been a lot of talk unofficially. Some fans have chipped in. There's a couple of Twitter accounts out there that basically take in the best teams in Conference USA, the best teams in the Sun Belt, and just try to lock them in, you know, and uh, within uh, enough margin so that you wouldn't be traveling to uh, Virginia one week and, you know, to the, the Mexico border the next week. Um, I think it's doable when you start looking, um, you know, with – I think you wouldn't want to include the Dallas teams. I think you'd want to, to, to get North Texas in that. But um, you certainly would want a Troy rather than an Old Dominion. And then, you know, if you're going to blow up the whole thing, um, you know, you, you might get – somebody else if the american were ever to blow up you might get a couple more of those guys back so uh, i think the other aspect to it is you have much better crowds having a troy or uh, a south alabama or you know obviously a cusa opponent like like louisiana tech um than you would like charlotte or uh, or even like utep so i think it makes a lot of sense uh, who knows whether it'll go anywhere at all it's just a bunch of chatter right now well, and then when you talk about other kind of geographical or kind of the geographical footprint, I mean, ULM, Louisiana Lafayette, schools like that, that where you know it's an easier trip, and there's some history there with some of those teams. There is, and if you think outside of football, also, I mean, the Sun Belt brings Coastal Carolina, you That's know, right. and then with Lafayette, you know, like those, so. When you think of it just outside yeah, of a heck football, of a baseball um, league. It, it makes, yeah, I mean, that would be a tremendous baseball league. But, every, you know, football's first and foremost, and I think that's where a, a lot of people stand. And, and it makes sense. Football pays the bills for everybody else. Um, I think that's just a part of a bigger picture of what's going to happen with Division One. I'm not, I'm not about splitting it yet. Uh, but I just go back to, you know, my argument. You've made the argument on this show. Every group of five football player um, is the only Division One athlete that doesn't compete for a national championship. So it'll just be interesting to see. You know, does, does the, I think the gap will continue to, to widen. Um, and I mean, let's be honest. Uh, if you're in a, a Power Five conference and you know you you go you don't win a game in your in your conference, you make more money uh, than an entire group of five conference combined in bowl revenue. That's pretty wild to just to imagine and think through that. It really is. I mean, you you think about, um, I guess Arkansas would be the most recent example. Zero and eight last year in the SEC, two and ten overall, and that check for forty two and a half million dollars still rolled in in uh, in the month of May. So 
it certainly uh, makes it difficult. Hey, give me give me one thing that Southern Miss has got to do well tomorrow to come out of Troy with a win. Score inside once they get inside the twenty five yard line, they have to score. They cannot uh, they cannot pass up early opportunities in the game. I think it could be a, a back and forth game, uh, but the Eagles have to cash in when they're when they're in opportunities to score. There you go. Uh, which could have made last week a little bit different as well, as Southern Miss had some success moving the football against that Mississippi State defense, but could not cash in, especially early in the uh, in the ball game. Luke, enjoy the weekend. Uh, get you a little high school football tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Stay cool. See you later. Yeah. Good luck with that. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss and Troy tomorrow in Troy, Alabama, where it will be hot. But it's going to be hot everywhere tomorrow. If you look at like a temperature map of the southeast, Rippy, is this where you dive in with your like Jim Cantoriism or something about why it's hot? I have no idea why it's hot. It's just hot. Probably because it's not cold. It's September in the south. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like the calendar is pushed back a month this year. Well, we and had a just, really cool July. July wasn't bad. June was great. It took us a long time to actually get to summer, uh, but we're uh, we are getting it now. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. That was Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Eddie Money, rock and roll legend, has passed away at seventy years old. A statement. Earlier today, the Money family regrets to announce that Eddie passed away peacefully early this morning. It is with heavy hearts that we say goodbye to our loving husband and father. We cannot imagine our world without him. We're grateful that he will live on forever through his music. Last month, Eddie Money publicly revealed that he had been diagnosed with stage 4 esophageal cancer and that it had spread to his stomach and his liver. Edward Joseph Mahoney... Later, Eddie Money was born March 21st, 1949, came from a family of New York City policemen and initially intended to continue that tradition, but he left the force in 1968 after just two years, moved to the San Francisco Bay Area to become a musician and changed his last name from Mahoney to Money. According to his website, he was befriended and managed by the guru of the local scene, Bill Graham, that led to a contract with Columbia Records. Uh, 1978 self-titled debut album, Eddie Money, included Baby Hold On and Two Tickets to Paradise. Is that his best song? No, the one you were just playing is his best song, in my opinion. You like that one best? Yeah. Are you but an Eddie I, Money I, guy? I like Eddie Money, yeah. Absolutely, I, I got I caught in. I got in on him on you know a little bit more in his '80s revival, but his his, old, his older stuff like he just mentioned, "Baby Hold On To." Those are those are great great songs. I have I can't be the only person today on Twitter that made a joke or not a joke, but made a comment about him hopefully having a ticket to paradise today. Hmm. You said nobody made the joke. I said I, I said I can't be the only one who did make that. No, I I, I wouldn't mean, think so because I, I sure made it. I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I, you got to say this. Yeah. How about this from uh, Ultimate Classic Rock, the website? A string of hits started with his double platinum 1978 self-titled debut, which included Baby Hold On and Two Tickets to Paradise. His next two albums saw a slight commercial decline, but money rebounded with 1982's No Control on the Strength of Think I'm in Love 
and shaken, which ran into some trouble because of a certain word. In 2018, Money said nobody noticed, and Bill Graham was so, so mad at me because he said that could have been a top-five single. <laughs> I can't read the rest of the quote. He says, you and your sophomoric uh, junk, now I can't get it on the radio. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I guess it's like rock and roll insider stuff. So Eddie Money passed away. You don't like two tickets to Paradise Best? Or no, think I'm in love now? No, I don't like that the best. Okay. Outside of Take Me Home Tonight, I think it's Shaken. This is number two to me. Shaken oh, might be. Shaken's. Oh, he had a ton, yeah. I Want to Go Back is a good 80s song, too. All right. Well, rest in peace to Eddie Money. And Rippy has nothing to contribute here. He just shrugged his shoulders. <laughs> I've heard these two songs before. Didn't know who Eddie. I mean, I'm not going to give it to Mike Francesa. Like, who cares? But like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I know, I know both of these songs. That's pretty good. Who's that Stan wasn't Lee? a bad impression, was it? It's probably because I watched that Stan Lee video upwards of fifty to hundred times. Because the, the caller, the caller after he goes, "Who's Stan Lee?" and then the caller just goes, "Jesus," it hangs up. <laughs> Have you watched uh, that more or analytics guy more, Rippy? Oh, I think it's still Don LaGreca on the analytics thing. I showed right. you that, right? Oh, no, yeah, I missed yeah. that. Uh, I, we I played it on the show, it. Richard. Don LaGreca, who's... Are they yeah, both, yeah. He's that, on, no, he's on the Michael K show. Right. That's the same network, right? Or no. They, oh, well, no, that's, it, that's WFAN versus ESPN Radio in New York. Uh, okay, both... Huge rivalry. Both very huge. Same time slot. Both w- very weird accents. It's huge. Don LaGreca had a meltdown about analytics that is an all-timer. It tops anything, Francesca. Is that the one where he breaks the mic? Uh, he may, he, honestly, in this one, he looks like he's about to eat the mic. I don't know if he broke it. but there is, uh, There's something special going on right now on the PGA Tour, which yesterday had its opening day, although I agree with what Rippy said earlier. He's like, I still think opening day happens in Hawaii. But they've got the new wraparound season. Next week will be week two of the PGA season. Sports Talk Mississippi will be live in Jackson on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for the Sanderson Farms Championship. Kevin Chappell is 9-under for the tournament, but 10-under on his round. He shot a one-over par 71 yesterday at the uh, the Greenbrier, the military, uh, military tribute tournament that's going on now. Went off the back nine today. He parred number 10, that was his first hole of the day, and then proceeded to make nine consecutive birdies. He birdied 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 1, and then made pars on 2, 3, and 4, has birdied 5 and parred 6, and so he is currently 10 under on his round with two par 4s and a par 3 coming in. He is one birdie away from a 59, two away from carding a 58, that is some pretty good playing. So from one over to nine under and currently tied for fifth at the military tribute at the Greenbrier Golf Tournament. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Four o'clock hour with you on this Friday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Hate Adam, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com. You can't actually find them. That's where you find their website. 
and lots of information about what the good people at Mississippi Land Bank can do for you. You can, however, find their branch locations, and then you can go by and see them in person. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Forky, we've got Rams and Saints on Sunday, and everybody's talking about the NFC Championship game still, right? They are, and understandably so from the media angle. You had uh, uh, the guy that committed the no penalty was surrounded by reporters uh, earlier this week, and the Rams players kind of got pissed off about it because their response was, well, well, that's a New Orleans problem. Why are you talking to us about it? We didn't do anything, and people in New Orleans are asking them about a revenge game, and that's really uh, what – it doesn't bother me. I don't really care one way or the other, but the fact that they keep calling this a revenge game And I understand why, because the Rams were the team that knocked the Saints out of the playoffs last year. They were a correct call away from going to the Super Bowl. But if you're talking revenge game, how can a win in week two enact revenge on what happened to you a year ago? I know the media is trying to sell it that way, and I guess I get it because you got to get clicks and page views, but to me it's kind of stupid. You cannot get revenge for what happened to you and the way it happened to you last year in week two, and you really can't get it against the Rams. It's not like the Rams did anything to you. It was really more of a a bad officiating mistake, but a revenge game in week two doesn't make any sense to me. And they keep trying to sell it as one, and if the Saints win, is that going to change the way you think about what happened in the NFC Championship game last year? Does it make you feel better? No. Until they get them in the playoffs and beat them there and then go to the Super Bowl, yeah, that's revenge. But in week two, there's no such thing. There's no such thing I, as I a just don't think game. revenge is the right word, period. Right. It, no, you can't but, have a revenge game in a, in a separate season. Alabama beating LSU for the national title in the, uh, the Sugar Bowl when they had lost them in the regular season, that's a revenge game. Yep. This is the, I mean, this, there's different players. I mean, you know, there's just, it's, it's not the same. I mean, you could argue that the Big 12 championship game last year for Oklahoma was a revenge yeah. game. After losing go, to Texas yeah. in the regular season, they win the Big 12 championship game, get into the playoff. Okay, you avenged the loss from earlier in the year. I, but from the Saints' perspective, using that as a motivational tactic does make sense. I mean, you don't forget it. Here's what Drew Brees said. A story with um, uh, a story comes from Pro Football Talk. He was meeting with reporters earlier in the week, asked if they had moved on from it, how long will it take to get over. He says, still haven't, never will. But when you say forgotten about, you have to find a way to compartmentalize it to the point where you can move on in a positive way. I found a way to do that, but as far as just the events, you live and learn, and sometimes things don't go your way. You've got to find a way to come out better on the other side. Uh, Breeze, when asked about it in a podcast last month about an idea for getting over it, he says, go win it all. That's the only way you get over something like that. That'll always sting, more so just because you know that that team will never exist anymore. You lose a guy like Mark Ingram, Max Unger retires, you lose a few others. That team, even though you have a lot of the same guys on this year's team, will no longer exist. See, I, I don't think from that standpoint... 
professional athletes ever get over something. Even if the Saints were to come back and win it all this year, that doesn't erase the feeling of feeling... Sorry, feeling, feeling. That doesn't erase the memory of feeling as if you were jobbed out of a trip to the Super Bowl and had a a Lombardi trophy taken away from you. Yeah, whether they would have won that or not, who knows. But they, in their minds, will think that they would have scored more than three points against the Patriots, at least. Probably so. But does that make sense? I mean, even if this team goes back and wins it this year, maybe that provides some solace for fans, or you're able to move on for it, or the sting of it goes away. But that memory never goes away. I mean, you, you think Tom Brady thinks about the Super Bowls that he's lost? All the time. I bet that's why he's still playing right now. He, my, my guess is Tom Brady will never, for as long as he's breathing on planet Earth, get over the fact that they had a perfect season going in to the Super Bowl and had a chance to inscribe their name into immortality and shut Mercury Morris up forever. And they lost to the Giants, who got into the playoffs as a wildcard team. Probably throws darts at his Eli Manning poster he's got in his man cave. You think Eli's mouth's open on the poster? <laughs> Do you odd? I would agree with some of both of that, but don't you think more of what motivates? I mean, it could be both. Like I bet because he has to find so many ways to irrationally motivate. But don't you think some of it's still being picked where he was picked and being overlooked and all of that? Like that would seem like more that would really just. If I am that good, that rich, that successful, have that wife that makes more money than me. So about Brady or Giselle? Brady. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't Brady. know you were talking about Brady or Breeze. I was, oh, no. That would be more, more what motivated me. What He's not Mr. Irrelevant. He was a six-round pick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He looked like a middle school kid in gym shorts at the combine, like hiding from the dodgeball pick him. So, like, that kind of stuff would motivate me more so than... Yeah, Tom Brady was full-on dad bod when he was drafted. Yeah, losing to Eli would just kind of annoy me. Isn't he proof? I I was thinking about this last night, speaking of last night's game, that uh, being an NFL quarterback has... The the second most important thing is how talented you are. If you look at Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, they are supremely talented. And now you've got like an up-and-comer like Baker Mayfield, even though he's done very well. You had Johnny Manziel, that was a first-round pick. And some of these guys that uh, either are questionable in intellect or off-the-field stuff, decision-making, but they're supremely talented, so they get these chances. Tom Brady never at any point in the NFL has he had the strongest arm. Or has he been the most talented and laughably unathletic. But since he's got everything put together upstairs, he's a great NFL quarterback. And maybe I'm not making sense. I just kept thinking about that last night. Cam Newton and Jameis Winston have more talent than Tom Brady has ever had. But they are terrible. And that game was abysmal last night. Because they are missing upstairs what he is. What Russell Wilson has. Russell Wilson's 5'11". Drew Brees is 6 feet tall, but they've got it upstairs. Drew Brees is not... 6 feet-ish. Yeah, 6 feet-ish. What would Bill Belichick do with Cam Newton, though? Probably win a lot more. He he would not win more Super than Bowls. Cam Newton has done. So so I I you know obviously none of us live inside the heads of 
Johnny Manziel or Cam Newton or Jameis Winston or, you know, Matt Stafford. There's one for you. A lot of talent, big cannon for an arm. I not really want anything. So what's around you matters. But to me, you've got some guys that are driven in a way that is just different. Tom Brady, I mean, is there any question that with Tom Brady, he hates to lose more than he loves to win? To an insane level. Not to make this a Brady's assistant QB guy, but Borky's right about the mental makeup thing with its whether it's Breeze, Wilson, Rivers, whatever. But in Tom Brady's specific case, with the way they run offense now, where uh, what other team would he have the success he has the success on at this stage in his career? I don't think any other one. If you placed him in the Saints' offense, could he run it? No. Well, you say okay. You, you don't say, think Brady could run that? That may be a bad example. He could run the Saints' offense. Well, you think that, but, but, but hold Brady on a still moves a lot better than Brady does. But, Brady literally just stands like. But your point's missing something here because you're saying okay, if you picked Tom Brady up off of his current team and set him with another team right now, would it work as well? Yeah, probably not. But that's not fair because if he had been with one of those teams for his entire career and the entire thing was built around him, then. It could work the way it does now. I guess so, but the Patriots just take on so many different shapes. Sometimes on a week-to-week basis. But Brady's job now in this stage of his career seems easier than it would be in most systems, if that makes sense. I'm not saying he's like a system quarterback. But it's because he's been in the Skip same Bayless system and, and the whole system. I mean, that may be the, the he is wrong the way system. to say it. But the relationship... I would argue that he was the system back when they had Randy Moss and we're tearing things up offensively. But now they're a power running team, and he dumps it in the flats. He still throws it down the field some. Some. Enough to keep defenses honest? Sure. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you, Super Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Week 4 of the high school football season is here. Got some rivalry games in different parts of the state. Got uh, some big games last week of non-division play in most areas. And uh, we are here with you to talk about it, uh, including with the preview show of high school football immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi and then wrapping it all up tonight on the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company's scoreboard show, Willie Stephen Gagliano join us as they do every Friday during the fall to uh, talk about the slate of games in the Magnolia State tonight. What's up, boys? Another number one versus number two. You like it? Love it. That do anything for you? Lo- I mean, I, what more could you add? This season so far has just been crazy. You've had defending state champs playing each other left and right, especially in the north part of the state. And then you've had just the series of top two or three teams versus each other week in, week out. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. Well, I love it when you get excited about something because you go from down deep voice here to, I'm so excited! I mean, <laughs> your, your voice just changes an octave when you get fired up about something. That's my natural voice, the the high squeaky voice when <laughs> I get excited about uh, Pearl taking on Madison Central. Uh, you know, this is the game where it's maybe the most dynamic player in the state right now. That's Kenyatta Harrell for Pearl, the running back guy just 
he I think what he had six touchdowns last week. Something yes, like that? six last week, twelve through three games so far this season. He's the that's num- good, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> pretty good. Amazing. The number two rusher in the nation right now. So you think Pearl's going to try and air it out tonight? <laughs> Probably. You know, their quarterback has, I think, 42 pass attempts on the season, and that's it. So Madison Central's whole game plan needs to be stopping Kenyatta Harrell. So maybe they'll, they'll just throw 11 in the box and see what that does. Both of these teams with a really, really good player. Now that Madison Central team, pretty complete roster when when you look at it you know, up and down. But with Jimmy Holiday on one side and then... Uh, the elite running back on the other side. Yeah, a couple of stars to watch on these two offenses. Yeah, uh, like I said, Kenyatta Harrell's just been amazing. But the thing that stands out to me about Madison Central, the reason why they're the number one team in the state, is number one defense. They've had a really good defense. they got a young secondary, but they played one of the best quarterbacks in the state uh, two weeks ago uh, against Brandon Will Rogers, and they showed out. I think they had two or three interceptions on the night. Uh, the other thing that stands out about Madison Central is their offensive line. I keep talking about how big their offensive line is. It is like an SEC offensive line. They're huge, and they just create a lot of space for Jimmy Holiday. And uh, Pearl is going to – their defense is going to have to step up tonight. Uh, to me, that's the key is is can Pearl um, – can Pearl's defense just hold that offensive line and and just keep Jimmy Holiday uh, uh, keep him under control? Because once that guy hits the corner, he's gone. Also, one of the one of the things like we've talked about each week, there's been these kind of one versus two matchups, and for Madison Central, that's going to play to their strength because they've been in one of these games already. Yeah, so they know the atmosphere, they know the expectations. And you know, I think they're more prepared to handle that kind of atmosphere tonight because they've already gone through it in that game against Brandon. I, I know it's not what we normally do, but I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Who do you think comes out on top in this one? Oof, I think I think Madison Central comes out on top. I think as special as Kenyatta Harrell is, I think the offense is built entirely around him. Whereas you got have for Madison Central, you have Jimmy Holiday and Duke Arnold kind of split in time and splitting carries in that backfield. Altogether, though, if this game starts at 7, it might end at like 8 with all the running going on. I don't. Th- that clock is just going to be going all night long. What about Louisville at Starkville tonight? What do we make of this one? So, explaining what Louisville has done this year has been kind of crazy. They lose the first game of the season 2-0 to against Knoxville right. County. And Louisville, right. by the way, is the defending 4A state champ. they got a new head coach, Tyrone Shorter, there. Uh, they then uh, they they then beat West Point uh, right. by ten points, um, and I can't remember who they played last week. Uh, I can find it. Uh, and then uh, tonight they've got to play Startville, who is you know the perennial powerhouse in six A, a team that's now one and two, which is kind of surprising, seeing how they started the season as the number one team in the state. And they're one and two, and they they've lost to uh, Brandon to open the season. They lost to West Point. They gave up forty one unanswered points to West Point last week, which is crazy because the defense for years has been Startville's calling card. Uh, it's just it's just kind of crazy. And Startville also has problems on offense. Yes, they've scored a lot of points, but their their starter Luke Altmar got pulled in the second half of that game last week against Startville against West Point and looked like they're going to go kind of a, with a rotating set of quarterbacks uh, until somebody claims the position. 
Which is crazy to think about, given the game that he had just uh, a week earlier yeah. uh, against Oxford. The only loss that Oxford has this year is to Starkville, as you mentioned just a second ago. Oxford is at Lafayette tonight. They call that the Crosstown Classic. Uh, Lafayette's undefeated on the season. Oxford 2-1 and one on the year. I think they won against Northwest Rankin in Week 1 and beat Grenada last week, and uh, certainly a rivalry game where I live. Yeah, that, this one's always hard to predict. Uh, last year, it was th- a classic. Last year, yeah, was it overtime in that? Last I don't year? think so. I think uh, with Jack Tannehill, the Jake son Tannehill, of yeah. Jake, yeah, the son of uh, Mayor Robin Tannehill, hit a field goal with like three seconds left after Lafayette scored with three minutes to go to take the lead. Yeah, uh, so this one's always a fun game. Uh, Lafayette is they're coming off a big win over defending six A state champ Horn Lake last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Oxford. I would say is the favorite in Region 1 this year, too. Uh, they can afford to lose a game. I mean, obviously you want to win, especially a rivalry game. Uh, but I think they're, they're the favorite to win Region 1 since South Panola is no longer in Region 1, and Horn Lake seems like they're a team on the decline. Uh, is it a rivalry when Wayne County and West Jones get together? Just, yes. just curious. Yes. It is. But A, a one-sided rivalry. Yes, one side, <laughs> was it 2010? Yes. Yeah, that's the last time that uh, West Jones won that game. And West Jones last year had their best team in school history, and they still lost to Wayne County 10-6. to So uh, even with their best team in school history, they still can't get over the hump with Wayne County. Uh, and Wayne County played in a thriller last week. They beat Laurel, uh, what was it, two overtimes? Yeah, Laurel scored first in double overtime, missed the extra point. And then Wayne County scores to open up uh, their possession and then kicks the extra point to win it 21-20. about that? And, and tonight in the Pine Belt, we've got Pedal at Laurel, right? right. Pedal at Laurel, that's always a fun game. 6A versus 5A, that's always a fun one. Another uh, interesting game tonight is the Battle of the Villes on the coast where you've got D'Aberville hosting Poplarville. D'Aberville has a quarterback-receiver duo who are duos in more than just uh, on the football team. They're brothers. Um, hmm. They're really good. Uh Jaden Wally and Justin Wally, very good players, and I think they're going to have a big night tonight because Poplarville last week played a team from Louisiana and gave up, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns through the air. So I think those those brothers are going to have a big night tonight in D'Aberville. Any smaller school games that we're looking at tonight that, uh, that kind of grab you as, whoo, that's one you got to watch? Yeah, any of those? <laughs> well, I'll give you. I'll give you two. Uh, let's see if I have it. Saint in my notes. Aloysius versus yeah. uh, who did Park they play? Lane. Park, Park Lane. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yep, got uh, one, two in a row for Saint Aloysius. So that? gotta make it three in a row. That'd be huge here early in the season. Uh, you got Taylorsville. Who does Taylorsville yeah, play? Um, seminary. Sem- yeah, Seminary in Taylorsville, and I think this is Taylorsville's first game on a Friday this season. They played every other game on a Thursday for whatever reason, but uh, but that'll be a big one. Uh, quarterback Ty Keys there uh, played really well last season. He's improving this year. Uh, eight touchdowns in the air, four on the ground. He does have five interceptions, uh, so he's going to try to cut down on those. I would imagine as the season goes on, but that's definitely one uh, that we're looking out for tonight. Did J.A. beat MRA last week? No, no. I, MRA won. Uh, whatever Haydad called it, like the Vineyard Vines Bowl or whatever, like forty-two <laughs> to seven or something like that. Steroids, <laughs> steroids. Wow, 
Jeez. What? Rippy with the uh, the, the J.A. pride. He, I'm just saying. He, should, he's got his J.A. underwear on today. You should check it out. Same not, ones he wore to that field party. When not everybody was looking at him. We're not going back down that road today. It looks like we came in at the wrong part of that conversation, wherever that yeah. came from. Fair, fair enough. Uh, what's coming up tonight on the preview show? Uh, we're going to talk about all these games, including the West Point versus Tupelo game. That's another fun one. Uh Joe Horn's son, Jacob Horn, is a star for Tupelo, so we're going to talk about him. And then West Point's just kind of crazy season so far. Plus some other rivalry games. We've got the A game, Amory versus Aberdeen. That one's always fun. And also uh, Brandon versus Warren Central. That is all coming up for you immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi gets started at 6 o'clock right here on Super Talk Mississippi, and we'll carry you into the pregame show of your local high school football games. And of course, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show 10 until, is it 11.30 or midnight? Yeah, 11.30. 10 until 11.30, recapping games from across the state of Mississippi, and of course, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. More coming up with you after this at the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Whose song is that, Rippy? Florida State. I mean, you're, you're like just messing with us at this point, right? No, I'm not. You're going to get that dude mad at me again. Yeah, he was a guy that thought that you should be banished from the show for not knowing Alabama's fight song. It was the same guy that ripped him yesterday. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I got to go back and find this. I'm, I'm, I have to find it. I opened the text line on my own yesterday, hey, Dad, for the first time since being employed by Supertalk. There you go. He just wanted to see how badly he was eviscerated. Yeah. Now I, I, I'm i closing it again. I'll get back on next year. <laughs> Jeez. You really don't know what little quick chant fight song that was? I've heard it before, if that helps. It, it was recognizable. Borky, Borky me, can you play me, that for him one more time? Yeah. Is that possible? Uh, not at the moment. Yeah, I, I've got it in my head. Give me a minute. I'll, I'll be able to. U- USC? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> hey, Dad. Man. Hey, Dad. What is it? You should have heard that song a lot last year. We'll, we'll, we'll let... Um, no, wait, no, no, that, no, stop with the hints. Wait, no, no, that helps. That helps. No that more helps. hints. That helps. Yeah. Oh, wow. We just narrowed it down to the SEC. Well... Borky will play I don't know. Again. That could, I was going to guess Kent State in the first half, but never mind. This... Auburn? Oh, my God. LSU? Seriously? No, not doing it. Oh, my god! Chinese gosh. bandits? Oh. LSU gets a third down stop, and all their students bow up and down and up and down, and then they... They also say a lot of other stuff that preoccupied my attention more so than that. <sighs> Let's do the two questions thing, Borky. Well, I was going to ask him, like, what, but... Didn't know if he'd be able to uh, stop himself. You, you, oh, yeah, don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Uh, two questions for your Friday. Mississippi State absolutely has to do what if they want to beat Kansas State tomorrow? Limit Kansas State in the running game. I don't know that you can stop them. You can only hope to contain them kind of thing. Uh, they're going to get some. They're going to be able to run the football on you. It's just a question of how much are they getting. 
if if they if they're super successful, if they're gashing MSU the way State gashed them a year ago, then yeah, the State's in trouble. But uh, if they can just limit them, you know, and make the key third down conversions force a turnover, which they've been doing so far this year, they'll be okay. But they have that that that's the biggest concern. Control the running game. Yeah, is what Haydad says. The one thing Mississippi State has to do. Um. Yeah, I, I was thinking in my head when I wrote these down today is. It's the same thing, force Skylar Thompson to beat you through the air. If you can force Kansas State into any kind of third and long situation, he's probably not going to beat you. He's okay, he's efficient, but at least in the first two games this year, he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot, and when he has, it wasn't exactly pretty. He's not a bad quarterback, he's just definitely not the best they're going to see this year. And it's the same thing, stop the run, force the ball into his hands. If he can beat you, you just tip your hat because he hasn't shown the ability to do so so far. Yeah, I might go to the offensive side because if Mississippi State scores points, then I don't think Kansas State can keep up with them. I don't think that Kansas State can win a track meet in Starkville. So I'm going to go with with Kylan Hill. I mean, Kylan Hill's got to run the ball um, the way he has this year, the way he did against Kansas State a year ago, gives Mississippi State the ability to kind of control the clock some, and he's the best player on the team offensively. Okay, so give sorry that sounded very Nick Saban like of me. All right, uh, he's the best player on the team. Give him the ball, give him the rock, go score points. And if he runs the ball well, then that opens things up in the passing game. So I'm going with Kylan Hill's got to run it well for Mississippi State to win tomorrow. Fair enough. We also got uh, our, our listeners sometimes are really, really smart people. Like, depth of thought. We get the text, Mississippi State must outscore Kansas State to win. So uh, thanks for, for the input. Uh, Checkmate, Borky. Yeah. Thanks for being that guy. <laughs> There's always that guy. And then on the flip side, Mississippi State cannot do what? If they want to win tomorrow, cannot be. I put this cannot be one sided on offense. I agree with what Richard was saying. I think Kylan Hill will do well, but I don't know that State can win and win like they did last year. I don't know that they can just go out there and run the football and you know not be able to complete passes. So I think State has to be a little more balanced on offense than they were a season ago. If they do that, I think everything will be okay. But if they can be, if, if they are one dimensional in case State can load the box. You know, Stevens is not the runner Fitzgerald was, and Fitzgerald had a huge game rushing in this in this year season ago. I don't know that Stevens could do, could give them the same yardage, so that they're going to have to have some balance. Kelso in Ocean Springs on the C Spire text line says cannot oversleep. It's a good point. Also Which, true. Uh, that is true. I was actually going to go with a, a slightly different version of can't oversleep. I think Mississippi State can't be lethargic. 11 a.m. kick, hotter than the third level of hell, and playing a. Can I can I say this? I mean, with, with no disrespect intended to those of you who have made the trip from Manhattan, Kansas to Starkville, it's kind of a boring Big 12 team. Sweet uniforms, uh, great great uniforms, fantastic stadium. Great tradition. Really like what Chris Kleeman's doing with the program. But Kansas State just 
doesn't get you like all, yeah, I can't wait to go run through the tunnel for this one. Joe Moorhead probably would say, Richard, you're a moron. That That's just not true. It's a Big 12 team. And, again, if you're a Kansas State fan, it's not intended as a slight. I mean, I guess it is. But does what I'm saying make any sense? I mean, it this isn't Texas sense. rolling into you'd town. Be, it's not OU rolling into town. You'd be more excited with Texas Tech, and they might be a worse football team. Probably so. Um, so I think Mississippi State can't be lethargic. Uh, they got to come out ready to play in this game because, for the reasons that we've outlined, Kansas State's an improved football team. And they are a balanced football team so far. And Skylar Thompson's playing at a pretty high level so far. Um, so we'll see. Turning better, the, better not better not hit the snooze bar too many times in the morning. Yeah, cannot do that. Turning the page, and this is formulated a little bit differently because you can beat FCS teams and still uh, not be happy about the performance. Just ask Arkansas and Portland State. So. Uh, what can Ole Miss do in this game that you would view as a productive success? Um, play well, play clean offensively. Um, that may sound like a boring answer. I don't mean for it to be, but they need to go out and kind of execute on offense. Matt Corral needs to stop throwing balls behind receivers. Um. Receivers need to stop dropping passes that they should catch. Um, you need to have clean reads on read option and RPO plays. Talking about Ole Miss? Yeah. I think it's important for Ole Miss to play a clean game offensively. Have more than two receivers catch a pass. And I don't mean that facetiously. That's what happened last week. And if you're not going to have Braylon Sanders... It was Sa- Dontario Drummond and Elijah Moore last week, and that was it. Right. And I don't think Braylon Sanders is going to play. That's a hunch. And so... Who catches a pass and who who else catches a pass and who else makes an impact? Because they're going to need one of those guys to make more of an impact down the road, whether it's a Drummond, Gregory, Battle. Do you dig into the Danis and Jaden Jackson, Jordan Jernigan? Those guys are probably going to play anyway because this would fall into, hey, get out there with the four games. You can still redshirt. What about coming out party who for Jonathan Mingo? Takes it. Yeah, he was – getting to him as well. I always overlook him. I got chastised on the podcast for more legitimate reasons than yesterday about I left Mingo off by accident on one of those. One day we were talking about receivers, just oversight. But they're going to need at least two of those guys to be more impactful down the course of the rest of the season. So does that start tomorrow? Obviously you won't be able to tell a ton because you're playing Southeastern. I'll throw the disclaimer that Southeastern has a good number of Division One fallbacks. They have Cole Kelly as a quarterback. Their starters are transfer from Fresno State. They have a running back from Indiana. And Cole, Cole Kelly's not terribly mobile, is he? Not quite. I witnessed that last year in that reigning game in which one team was awarded a win and one team was awarded a loss when both should have been. But ne- <laughs> that's neither here nor there. All I'm saying is they got a pretty decent amount of speed. They were 4-7 and seven last year, but then knocked off the 6th-ranked FCS team in the country by 21 points in Week 1. Didn't play last week. That You talk about not coming out lethargic. That would probably be a pretty good one for Ole Miss, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make there. And then play a bunch of offensive linemen. Can you play 8 or 9? Can 8 or 9 be any good? I get a tweet from somebody that's we can call it invested in the game that says cover that 30-point spread. Um, and then real quick, other than losing, obviously, because that would be an abject disaster, um, what would what could they do that would be considered a failure? 
take a step back defensively. And and I don't know if failure is the right word, but defense has been really good through the first two weeks. I'm not sure that um, that they can afford to take a step back. I think the defense needs to continue to play at a high level, and if you can even develop a little bit more depth, then that's a good thing. By the way, uh, Southeastern Louisiana 1-0 on the year. They opened with a win against Jacksonville State. That was a home game. Their game last week against Bethune-Cookman was canceled. Uh, early in the week because of Hurricane Dorian, so this is just their second game of the season. We're back after this with you at the Renaissance Bank Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. about to roll into the 5 o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, and uh, Brian, hey Dad. From 1987 until 2005, on Sundays, usually in the evenings, always in the evenings, you had NFL prime time. It went away. Chris Berman, Tom Jackson, people that had enough rumbling, stumbling, bumbling decision to end the run of NFL primetime. Guess what? Starting this Sunday night, it's back. But there's a caveat. It is not back on ESPN. It is back on ESPN+. Plus which is the subscription-based streaming service, online service. So you got to have the ESPN Plus account, which costs like 5 bucks a month, if you uh, you want to want it back. But uh, Boomer and Tom Jackson back doing highlights at the end of the day. Y- you guys on board with that? This was right in the sweet spot for me. When I was a kid, I watched this a ton. Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. I always think of Mike Mike Allstott running. (laughs) For whatever reason, I think of Priest Holmes when that happens, too. Isn't that really random? First year I ever played fantasy football, I took Priest Holmes with my first pick. Nearly won the league. He was great for, like, four years. Wasn't Culpepper a pretty good fantasy quarterback when it first got big? Dante Culpepper? Yeah. Put up some big numbers. Injuries, but I saw him play in college. There's a turf monster that got him in Oxford. UCF then at the time was actually Central Florida still. Should have beaten Ole Miss on a Saturday night with about 17,000 people in pre-expanded Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Dude tripped on his way into the end zone. can't remember if it was overtime. I don't think it was overtime. I think it was at the it, end it, of regulation. It would have been a game I'm, winner. Ooh, i got to look that up. I'm pretty sure it was overtime, Richard. Was it overtime? State played them that year too. They did. They did like a Mississippi barnstorming tour or something. I don't know. Oh, they've been like ninety five, seven, ninety seven. Was it that late? Culpepper yeah. was quarterback at Central Florida. Okay, that no, was not. Uh, it was not an overtime. Yeah, but you're time. right. They, 
he was going in and he, he just didn't get in. Yeah. What was the final score in that game? 24-23. Ooh. So that would have been for the game winner. I'm telling you, man, he tripped. Ole Miss well, I mean, played they UCF. Lost. They yeah. were Central Florida at the time, but yes, it, Ole yeah. Miss played UCF in 1997. They lost to Ole Miss thing. by one that year. They lost to South Carolina by two. They lost to State by seven. They lost to Monroe by four. And they were really close to being like a ten-win team. The only team that blew them out the whole year was Auburn. It was four, it was that was the only game they had that wasn't close. That was nineteen ninety-seven. Wow, long time ago. Long that was twenty-two years ago. Holy cow! Anyway, I remember him being really, really good at the time. Uh, Borky, what's the uh, basketball video game scandal? Scandal. <laughs> so there's a there's a thing that I didn't know existed called the NBA 2K League, which is where real NBA teams have invested money and pay full time salaries to a roster of guys that play the video game NBA 2K, and they have okay. a league and they play against each other. Well, as it turns out, one of these players in the 2K League, I forget his name. Um, Basil Rose, that's his real name, Basil Rose, uh, was kicked out of the league because he was giving insider tips to people that were betting on the league. So, <laughs> oh, he's the Pete Rose of esports, He's the eh? Pete Rose of esports, just got kicked out of the 2K league. For clarification, Borky, I, I don't know much about this, but I think I read a ringer piece on this a while back. They all play on the same team, right? It's not just five individual dudes playing games of 2K. It's like a five on five. It's five on five. So each player has like their own player in the game and like they play a position and they they have a draft. And it's so awkward. I, I watched videos of this today. They have a full on NBA 2K draft where these little nerdy kind of chubby kids that play video games all day like get thrown up on this big stage with all these theatrics and stuff and get a camera and a microphone so shoved in their face. they actually draft the gamers. Yeah, they draft so the gamers. You're, you're playing, like, there's five guys, one guy controlling each guy at the same time. So, like, you're setting off-ball screens, Draymond greening people in between the legs, getting rebounds, all kinds of stuff. Like, you're not just handling the ball. So, so this guy, Basil Rose... Helped Heat Check Gaming get to the finals of the 2018 playoffs. He was a third-round draft pick by Heat Check Gaming in 2018 and was retained by the team this past year. His, uh, his gaming name, 24K Drop-Off. They make like 50K a year doing this. I thought you were going to say there was a holdout or one of them froze their thumbs in cryotherapy or something and we were about to get real weird. They didn't want to wear the, the same headset. They wanted last year's headset. <laughs> Oh, the college football fix is coming up when we come back with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. We just did this! You just had the answers! I need to hear more of it. Sports. Almost. Oh, A&M. So close, so close. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Do not ever, ever, ever in your life play Name That Tune with Brian Scott Rippey because he cannot name that tune. Never mind the number of notes. He can't name it in 30 seconds. No, I can't name college marching bands. Elsewhere, I'd be okay. You cover college football for a living. I don't pay attention to the song. Clearly. 
And nowadays it's been overrun with like stadium PA music. You're like turned down for what? All that jazz. Like it's harder to hear the bands. They don't play the music and the band music at the same time. They alternate. I don't think so. No, they, they, they sometimes play them both they, at the same time. Thank oh, you. Yeah, thank you. Well, when that happens, it's uh, it's an error by the game management people. That's not the intention. Or maybe the band should let Little Wayne do his thing. <laughs> Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. If they had a fight song, Rippy would know it. He, he would he would commit it to memory. Uh, Mississippi Land Bank, they've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. They can help you as well. mslandbank.com. Find a branch location near you in North Mississippi or grab the phone number and give them a call. Mississippi Land Bank. Time right now for the College Football Fix. You know what this music is? That is the SEC on CBS. Well done. What's the band name? College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Take advantage of great deals and savings, including the leather and liner promotion that's going on right now. You can ask for all the details at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. All right, we've been making fun of Rippy, and uh, that's probably not going to stop. But we also should pass along to uh, to Brian Scott Rippy some kudos for a really, really well-written story. If uh, you go to supertalk.fm, you can find Rippy's story uh, feature on Ole Miss first-year linebacker Sam Williams. Or if you go to Twitter and you check out my Twitter feed or Rippy's Twitter feed or the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed, you can find a link to the uh, the story that he wrote uh, earlier today. A profile on Sam Williams. Uh, it's several thousand words. It'll take you a little while to read. Um, if you don't want to do that right now, at least give us a Reader's Digest version. That means a shorter version. I appreciate that. I, I, I got the. I didn't know if you got that. the register. The... I did. If only I had hired a competent journalist to cover Ole Miss. So if you know how to read Nathan and Tupelo, go read this. It was a story on Sam <laughs> Williams, who was originally a basketball player coming out of high school. Really, only played one year of high school football. Had a fairly tumultuous home life. Bounced around. Was removed from his parent or his mother's custody and. Birmingham at age six bounced around from relative to relative and then ended up with his aunt for a while who was a that family did basically all they could for him but they had young kids of their own so it became a crowded household he basically struck up an unlikely friendship with the basketball manager and they became close friends who was a a girl a year younger than him he ended up being not adopted by the family but he they he, he moved in with them the mom became the guardian and he ended up going Juco route, kind of coming to Ole Miss, and then there's a little more to it than that, is he's had two people close to him die by accidental gun violence, which I think is just kind of indicative of the environment he grew up in and what he escaped. But pretty long odds to have two people struck by bullets that weren't intended for them while sitting in their house. One case, the guy was asleep. The other was his infant niece who was getting juice out of the fridge. Tough story, um, but he is a... Uh, it's a cool story in the sense that he's made it out and continued, I guess, to plug along forward. But obviously, there's some details and stuff in it that are not not cool. But the, what he's overcome is remarkable. Here's the lead from the story. 
And again, you can read it at supertalk.fm, why Sam Williams can't look back. Sam Williams put his black Dodge Charger in park and let out a scream. Why me? Am I doing something wrong? Williams bellowed at the dark Alabama sky. The junior defensive end was pulled over on the side of Highway 22 in rural Alabama on a sweltering July evening 48 days ago. His tear ducts were out of moisture, but the junior Ole Miss linebacker was overcome with emotion at the same time. Williams had just gotten a phone call that rocked his world. You can go and read the entire story. Sam Williams, who grew up in Alabama, dreamed of playing college football eventually, and that was a dream that was mapped out not originally because he was, to Rippy's point, a basketball player, uh, but because of a uh, a close friend who who had similar dreams. Yeah, Shaquille Johnson, who was a quarterback at Robert E. Lee, which is where Sam transferred his senior year of high school, which is where his guardian Tiffany Kane worked. As she did something that, stuff in HR, and then she helps like football players and recruits with some of the academic things and kind of getting eligible and all that. But yeah, originally a basketball player. His high school basketball coach at Marbury tells a pretty cool story of when he was in tenth grade. That he was like. He he knew who Sam was. They brought him up to play some varsity the year before. Didn't really know what he had in him. And then Sam went up to dunk and hung on the rim by his armpit. And that was kind of when they knew they had something. Of course, six four didn't really have the ball skills to be a a guard at the Division One level, which is what he would have been. So they tried to stick him on a football field. He didn't really want to. And then when he transferred to Robert E. Lee, they put him at defensive end. And kind of the rest is history after that. You know, as I was reading this. And, and, hey, Dad, you may have some insight here as well. I, I was thinking about how many of these stories actually exist out there that, that we don't know. You know last year we uh, learned Rippy's story about Floyd Allen, who slept in his car while in a junior college at California trying to escape a rough home life in Houston and didn't feel like he could go back. You, you read about Sam Williams, who in the span of 18 months has two – loved ones, either friends or relatives, die by accidental gunfire. Not that the gunfire was actually accidental. They were stray bullets. Um, I just wonder if these stories exist everywhere. kind of feels like they probably do. You know? I mean, could, a lot could more be... in college football than what we are told about. Yeah, yeah Josh Robinson, uh, I don't know if you, uh, you know, a few years back. That learned that he was he was basically homeless in high school. I mean, it, th- these stories exist. They're definitely out there. And, and like you said, good job for Rippy to go out and, and find one of them because people want to read these stories. And then, you know, it gives you something. You know, Ole Miss fans are going to cheer for Sam Williams regardless. But this gives them a little extra motivation for him, not only for that, but even people outside of Ole Miss to want to see that guy to do well. I mean, you mentioned Josh Robinson, and he made the decision to leave Mississippi State early and was pretty roundly criticized for it. But. If you didn't grow up the way Josh Robinson did, maybe you don't understand making that decision at that point. And, right. and like you and I can look at it, we can go, yeah, but if you had just given it one more year, you might have, well, maybe he didn't feel like he had another year to give. We had this conversation last night while watching the Thursday night football game. Peyton Barber, the kid from Auburn. Yeah. Didn't get what was he behind Carryon Johnson? Did I may have made that up? But he he saw sporadic action in Auburn's backfield, 
And, then, and was a guy that was highly recruited. <laughs> yeah, Del, uh, was I think one of the reasons Jordan Wilkins ended up at Ole Miss. But he yeah, they traded the dra- basically those two. He entered the draft a year early because his mom was homeless, and like I, he didn't think he could make it another year through school. Like they needed money right then, so you know it brings a whole lot of other factors into play, whether it's amateurism or just you know all kinds of other stuff. But yeah, this happens. This happens a lot, a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. It, you know, I feel like sometimes we're so quick to throw out, well, this really brings perspective. And if it takes stuff like this, you know, maybe we all need to check ourselves just a little bit on when we need perspective and when we don't. But it is a reminder, and I'm not trying to, I mean, this is not a moral high ground or a, anything. When you're sitting in the stands on a Saturday and a guy doesn't make a play, it's probably not because he doesn't want to. (laughs) We get so wrapped up in it, and there's so much money that's tied up in college football right now that coaches' jobs are hanging in the balance. And there's a really good chance that you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be a fan, doesn't mean you shouldn't cheer, doesn't mean you shouldn't get frustrated, whatever else. You just never know what's happening behind the scenes. Emotionally, with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Perspective may not be the right word. Maybe reality check is the, uh, the, the right word. I don't know. Anyway, good work, Rippy. Appreciate it. Uh, you can read that story at supertalk.fm or uh, BS Rippy or the Supertalk um, Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. Supertalk as well. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Let's make some picks when we come back. Arkansas. <laughs> Is that not right? No. no. That's... Yay, Alabama. Now you can't be confused with being the Alabama fan anymore, can you? No. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday. Thanks for being with us. Let's make some picks, Borky. Yeah, I we can't do all SEC this week. With the five FCS games, we're going to mix it up just a little bit to make it more interesting than that. Okay. Is that fair? You're running this show. I mean, kind of. I'm like, uh, I just want to know if you're keeping up with the picks like you say you are. You, I mean, you told me the other day you're doing great. Well, I don't I think do, I'm doing well, but I, I missed a whole week with that. Yeah, hey, Dad did miss a week, which throws us off a little bit. But I, I also do some of my own, and I tweet them out and stuff. So I, I'll pick any games that I feel like I'm interested in. Uh, NFL was undefeated until last night. College, I'm doing just fine, but uh, that'll quickly change, I'm sure. All right, let's go. Arkansas State, a really cool atmosphere will be in Athens on Saturday with the entire stadium wearing pink. Uh, Blake Anderson, the Arkansas State coach's wife, recently passed due to breast cancer, and they are a 33-point underdog uh, in Athens. By the way, I tweeted it out last night. If you've not read David Hale's story at ESPN.com about Blake and Wendy Anderson and her fight with cancer and the way the community kind of came around them, but also how they got to that point and the fact that their marriage – Almost fell apart. He was uh, actually walked away from football coaching, got back in, 
even though she didn't want him to, turned out to be a blessing for their family. Really remarkable story uh, about the Anderson family and uh, the late Wendy Anderson from David Hale at ESPN. Check that out. Uh, it is good reading. Good reading. Uh, I'll just go sentimental favorite here. Uh, I expect Georgia to win and win big, but I'll take Arkansas State in the 33 points. I think I will, too. I, I'm not saying Georgia will go easy on them, but just such an interesting environment. Like, if that's 28-ish late, like... Yeah. It's yeah. a very... It feels like a very foot-off-the-gas type yeah, thing with Georgia. You said that better than I could have. Yeah. Georgia yeah, like, has encouraged its fans to uh, to wear pink to the game. So, yeah. 38-7, something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Arkansas State and take the points. We'll save Mississippi State for the end, so I'll skip that one for now. Alabama, 25-and-a-half, what I saw this morning in Columbia at South Carolina. Roll Tide! Bama. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I might just fade you guys. I picked Alabama earlier today. Bruce mentioned I didn't even think about this, but Nick Saban was asked a lot about that last South Carolina game. That's the last time they played each other. Yeah, or at least yeah. the last time he's been to Columbia. So, uh, pissed off Nick Saban with a true freshman quarterback and uh, a completely unbalanced talent comparison from the two rosters, I'll take Alabama, too. People about to start texting us about your language there, Borky. Calm down. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to repeat it. You, you can't say that? Oh, come on. Oh, you, oh, you can say it. I'm just saying people will get angry. Oh, I am the expert on what you can and can't say, so any FCC matters, send them my way. Well, Do you know of anything you can't say, Rippy? Nope. You can say whatever you want. as long as long You I mean, you can say whatever you want, just deny that you said it. Email drrippy at suboptimal.com. Arkansas has a revenge game at home against Colorado State. They're nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I am taking Colorado State in the points. My thought all week long has been that Arkansas probably gets things going. I think they probably win the game. But look, Colorado State scored 31 against Colorado in the opener. They scored 38 against Western Illinois. I, I get that that's a nobody. So they've scored in the 30s in both games. And for Arkansas to cover a nine-and-a-half point spread, I didn't see anything last week that makes me believe that Arkansas is about to pitch a shutout. So, and am I now going to believe that Arkansas is going to go put up 31, 35, 38 points? You know, good, good for Arkansas if I'm wrong on this, but I'll take the 9.5 points on the road. Portland State was a nobody, and Arkansas scored 20 on them. So, yeah, give me, give me the Rams and the points. Colin had a pretty funny one point on the podcast. Is just who has the arrogance to put Arkansas as a ten point favorite over anyone right now? Colorado State. <laughs> I'm actually going to take Arkansas on this one because I kind of liked what I saw from Nick Starkle. Okay, I don't disagree with that. Uh, yeah, I... Auburn, thirty six point favorite at home against the Golden Flashes of Kent State. I'll let one of you guys go first here. Ole Miss played Kent State and really beat him up bad last year. Is that correct? In the second half? Was it was it Southern Illinois? Yeah, it was Southern Illinois that scored 31 or 38, whatever it was, in the first half, and they scored only three in the second half. I think I, Ole Miss won that game like 72 to 41 or something. Yeah, that was that game. But Kent State, you almost beat them 38-17 a year ago. 
It was so seven seven very, at halftime, is what yeah, it was. It can't, Kent State can't be very good. So how many how many points is it though? Thirty six. I don't Auburn. I mean, they they barely cover against Tulane. That I'm I'm gonna take Kent State. I'm gonna take Kent State in the points. I'll take Kent State too. Cause they had a kid that used to play at Auburn at quarterback. So revenge game for a guy I don't know his name. Go Flash. You're going revenge game. Oh huh? Zeke Pike, isn't that his name? No, it, no, 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 no. It was uh, it was Woody something. Okay, I just I think know. 36 is a big number against an Auburn offense that has not yet found itself. They've not been particularly good running the football. Bo Nix is going to make some plays, but he may make some uh, uh, he may make some poor plays as well. Kent State. Lost by 23 in the opener at Arizona State. And uh, they beat Kennesaw State last week. I'll take the 36 points. I'm just going to be a contrarian uh, because of the way your your guys' picks have gone so far. I'll take... Uh, you're, you're an SEC homer, Borky. I'm an SEC homer. Uh, there it is. This might be one of those games where Gus has to prove it because Auburn offensively, even in week one where Bo Nix was uh, the new Heisman contender... Uh, Auburn offensively, just not good. Uh, so this might be one of those games where Gus runs it up to make a point. Uh, Florida, eight and a half. Uh, they are favored over Kentucky in Lexington. I can't Go see, first, hey, Dad. I can't see Kentucky, you know, with their backup quarterback being in this game. Florida, so good defensively. I think they'll just swallow up Kentucky. So give me the Gators and I'll give the points. I agree with Hayden, and I was actually surprised to hear Bruce say he felt less good. Or uh, that's not a f- proper English. I don't really care. He, he picked Florida. A journalist would know that. He, he was not. He was. <laughs> he was, That's true. That kid has a. Po- that guy has a point. But I was surprised to hear him say he felt didn't feel as good about that as he did as Alabama. I really like Florida in this too. We got Borky. Yeah, I'll take Florida, even though Kentucky has a running back with the coolest name in college football, Cavassier Smoke. Uh, he's not going to be enough, though. Florida wins by 10 or more. I'll be the contrarian here. I'll take Florida, or take Kentucky in the points. Like that. So we're going to turn away from the SEC because everybody else is playing an FCS opponent. Ohio State minus 18 at Indiana. Hold on. Before we do that, do you like Ole Miss laying the 31 tomorrow? 30, 31, whatever the number is? Yeah, I I'll take. I would take Ole Miss, yeah. Not being a contrarian, I don't. I, I haven't seen enough from Ole Miss. I obviously not going to have any trouble winning this game, but Louisiana, Southeastern Louisiana seems a little tricky. Like if they get a couple early touchdowns, that could screw up the thirty-one. I don't could think be. it's close, but I would feel yeah. uneasy about that. Yeah, I mean, if they Ole Miss could easily win thirty-five-seven, and everybody on the Ole Miss side of things would be totally happy with that, but they wouldn't cover. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry, Borky. Go ahead. Uh, also, I skipped Mississippi State, Kansas State for the end. So here is the end. Mississippi State is a seven-point favorite as of about nine o'clock this morning over Kansas State. I feel like I should go last, so you guys go. I'll take Mississippi State and lay the seven. I, I, I know what Lee said yesterday. I know what Bruce said today. I just think Mississippi State is better than Kansas State is, and think when it's all said and done, they win this game tomorrow, something like 31-21. So I'll take Mississippi State and lay the seven. I got State wrong both weeks. I bet on, or I, I picked them week one, and then picked against them week two. I guess I'll take State in week three. Really on a terrible pattern here. Yeah. 
But you got Borky. We might have a shootout. I think I'm I'm going to take Kansas State seven points, but Mississippi State to win the football game. Okay. I think State is better offensively than they were a season ago when Kansas State just could not stop them. So Kansas State will get some points on the board, but State wins and covers. I have 38-17. So you think it's not close? I think I think State might get a late touchdown to, to make it less interesting. All right. Uh, Borky, to your point, I was going to lay the 18 and take Ohio State. Uh, I'll probably take the 27 and a half and uh, take Syracuse and love Virginia minus seven and a half against Florida State. Everybody loves that line. That's why it scares me a little bit. But my goodness, how is Florida State going to go on the road and beat a good Virginia team or compete with them anyway? Mm, I don't know. Those are your picks brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Pearl River Resort Picks of the Week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.